It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. When Mark Nepo was diagnosed with cancer in 1987, he expected a difficult and painful road. But one thing he did not anticipate was the transformative spiritual journey that followed his cancer. It was this book, The Book of Awakening, that introduced me to Mark, a collection of daily inspirations. I liked it so much, I chose it as one of my favorite things back in 2010. His recent work, a spiritual memoir called 7,000 Ways to Listen, and his latest poetry collection, Reduced to Joy, proves that Mark shows no signs of slowing down. His calling was evident from the time he was a boy. While Mark's parents were Jewish, they were not especially devout, but Mark says he's always felt drawn to the spiritual. He began writing poems to have what he calls a conversation with the universe, seeking a deeper connection to something bigger than himself. As he grew up, his passion for poetry grew too. He pursued writing in college and grad school, earning his doctorate and publishing his first collection of poems in the late 80s. It was in the summer of 1987 when Mark first noticed a lump on the back of his head. After months of appointments and test after test, doctors confirmed it was cancer, a rare form of lymphoma growing in and around his skull. As he began his battle, Mark found himself on a deep spiritual journey, one that would reshape his perspective and forever change the intention of his work. Welcome to my sacred space. Thank you. It's just fabulous to be here, well, holy to be here. It does. It does feel holy, doesn't it? It does. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to do Super Souls here is because it does have its own uh, sacredness and holiness and majesty. But you speak about uh, how having cancer literally change the landscape of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the day you discovered the lump on the back of your head. Huh. And that lump was growing and growing and growing. And yeah. finally you said, I'm going to go see something. Well, see somebody. this was uh, going on 26 years ago, mm -hmm. which is hard to believe. Ah, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, because it seems like yesterday and a lifetime ago. Back 26 years ago, I was in um, a former life and a former marriage, and um, I had this lump start to grow, and it was huge. Um, and I'd never been ill. I didn't 
I had a lot going on. I didn't really pay much attention until an old friend said, I think you're growing a second head. You better look at that. And I went, and I went, you know, to the doctor. And the first doctor, I went to a sports doctor because mm -hmm. I didn't think anything was wrong with me. And he said, I think there's somebody else you should see. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, as I think most people experience, I went through a door. And when I went to go back out that door, it was gone. There was no way to get back to the life I had lived. Mm. Everything changed. had changed. Because you say, and everybody under the sound of our voice right now has in some way, if you've lived past 15, experienced some sense of loss. Absolutely. Some sense of loss. Some not as devastating as coming to face to face with cancer, but cancer is a great loss. It's a loss of the life that you thought that you were gonna live. It's a loss of... Yeah, and I think that as we, as we talk about this, it's also that um, it's, it's not the cancer, it's what the cancer opened. It's not the loss of a loved one. It's not the loss of a job. It's nothing, whatever opens us, is never as important as what it opens. The field that it opens is what matters. So Ooh, not, that's good. not to deify the, the, the cancer or the obstacle or the thing, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not, I think, to be romanticized or deified or in a negative way, like, you know, pray to the obstacle. So, you know, year, years ago and- So whatever opens us and everybody at some point, and you know, a lot of people in this country, experiencing joblessness, you lose somebody that you love, you don't get the dream that you'd aspired for, things don't work out the way you wanted them to. And what you're saying is it's not that thing that matters, it's what that thing opens within you. Yes, and that, that is not to minimize the difficulty of the loss. Yeah, because that loss genuine. feels bad when you're in it. Oh, it's yeah. genuine, it's real, and that is something that everyone has to go through. And yeah. what it opens is the beginning of the next part and of the are journey. Are you saying that everything, what it opens is the next part of the journey? And are you saying that, because I, I believe this and have experienced it myself and believe it to be one of the laws of the universe is that no experience is wasted. No experience is wasted. No experience is wasted. And if in you fact, allow I, it to be. I feel so. like we're, we, we are asked to be committed to this unending dynamism mm -hmm. of what it is to be human. Mm -hmm. And that is the I path that. of the transfer. Unending dynamism of what it means to be It human. doesn't stop. You know, one day I can be plodding along like anybody with the neck, like an ant with the grain of sand mm -hmm. it, uh, over my head and everything is this task that I can't seem to get out from under. And all of a sudden, here we are. All of a sudden, the clouds clear. It opens up. It opens up. And there's an expansiveness for no reason. And there's a billowing of spirit. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked before in other things, God is in both that moment, focused moment, and in the billowing of spirit. So over the years, I've stopped. God is there with, with carrying the burden over your Absolutely. head. Absolutely. And God is there when it all opens up. And, and so I've, I've stopped over the years. Uh, mm -hmm you know, trying to get through the tasks and, you know, running from them and running to the other because I've started to understand it's the rhythm between the two that lets us experience heaven on earth. I hear that. I feel that. 
and sometimes I can actually live it. <laughs> Not all the time, but I, I certainly, I know what you're talking about. Where you, it's the rhythm between the movements. It's not the getting there, it's the... Yes. Mm. I had a rare form of lymphoma. Mm -hmm. It was systemic. That means that the cancer should have shown up throughout my body, but it was site-specific. It was growing in bone. Mm. So it was in my skull bone, pressing both ways on my brain, and it was the size of like a grapefruit. And I should have had all kinds of neurological problems, and I didn't have any. I just had this huge growth. Growth. Yeah. And so I went through a gauntlet of tests, a couple of months of tests and open biopsies and different, uh, all without being put out. So I had to meet pain I'd never known. And, and actually, the, pain, the fear of pain at times was a greater pain than the pain I wound up encountering. Mm -hmm. So that was one of my Which first is, lessons. I think the way all of us lead our lives, the fear of any pain. It's the, and, and what we do to resist having to, what we do to resist that fear, thinking it's gonna be so painful. And we do everything to go around the pain, to avoid the pain. We numb ourselves in various ways to avoid the pain, when in fact, the only way is through the pain. The only way is through. And initially it was just, um, surrendering and letting go. You know, I was in my 30s um, trying to contribute, make a change in life, help do You're things. Teaching, weren't you teaching? Teaching, yeah. writing. And all of a sudden, life was changing me, and I had no control over anything. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. For Mark, surrendering and letting go meant enduring test after painful test until his doctor recommended surgery to remove the tumor. But the night before the operation, Mark's neurosurgeon arrived with an unexpected announcement. I kept feeling that the tumor was fluctuating and no one would believe me. Yeah. And he- You were attuned to your own body and you could tell, yeah. He came in uh, at the 11th, literally the 11th hour, I was gonna have a craniotomy 
to remove this the next morning. And he came and... Which would affect your speech and your and memory. And my memory, yeah. which is like knees to a quarterback for yes. me, you yeah. know. And, and he came in at the 11th hour and said, I've done hundreds of these, but I don't know what's happening. And so I want to bring in one more specialist. And he unhooked me and sent me home for a week. Wow. And I was like Jonah spit out of the mouth of the whale, back on the streets. And what, what is this? What am I doing? And Isn't that amazing to you? Yes. I think that's amazing. Well, and I believe that it, it roots in compassion. Compassion really means being with. It means keeping honest heart company. With. With. Yeah. After his operation was postponed, specialists were brought in, and they determined that an aggressive course of chemo and radiation would offer Mark his best chance of survival. But on the morning his treatment was set to begin, Mark continued to feel the tumor fluctuate, and trusting what he calls a deeper knowing, he decided to speak up. I insisted on one more MRI. Because weren't they giving you chemotherapy? They were getting ready to give me spinal chemotherapy and whole head radiation. And I insisted on one more MRI before agreeing to that. Because, Why? Because I felt the tumor moving and shifting, even though no one believed me. I just knew it. And so at that time, and I'll remember, it was October 15th, 1987. Yes. And... I woke up at five in the morning. I was supposed to have that MRI around nine, and I knew the tumor was gone. You knew it was gone. Because I could feel having the tumor felt like a slight vibration. Interesting. Like a tuning fork, if you hit a tuning fork. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up that morning, that was gone. It was completely still. And I went in later that morning, had the MRI, and by this time I had films. I held it up in the waiting room, and it was gone. Were you praying a lot? Were you hopeful or not? Was it, what did I, you... This is one of the, the first amazing lessons in openness. I thought I was an open person. Yeah. Well, I wasn't open until I was desperate to be here. Were you a religious person before then? No, I was a spiritual person. I mean, I think I had the same uh, holistic, unified world view, but I was much more in my head. Mm -hmm. And one of the the gifts from going through this journey was that through no wisdom of mine, I woke up on the other side after a three-year period living from my heart and not my head. Wow. Mm -hmm. So from that point forward, my mind served my heart and not the other way around. Did that happen automatically or did you make a conscious choice for that? No, I, I wish I could say it was some wisdom on my part. No. I just woke up having been scoured by this experience into a more elemental being. Yes. Did you lose your ambition in the process too? I lost my drive. That's it, okay. I lost my drive. You went from, from losing your drive to being drawn yes. to something deeper, and that was very disorienting. Higher. Yeah, yeah. It was very disorienting because I had been a driven artist. You imagine a river that has banks and it's yeah. a strong river, yeah. like the Mississippi. Yeah. I, when I was in my river, I knew because I knew this current and the noise of the effort along the banks. Well, what this experience had done, it had brought me to the mouth of, of a larger sea and there were no more banks. And I didn't have any, any familiar signs. I lost the drive 
And for a while, I thought I had lost my creativity. Wow. But I learned that that current is there. It just goes deeper and it's quieter. Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize, oh, I'm drawn to things now. There's much more freedom and joy. So that's what cancer was able to teach you. It really changed the course of my work. And so since that time, I was put back in this body, on this earth, with the challenge to believe in everything mm -hmm. and to discover how it works together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like we're all taught. I carried around like a suitcase from adolescence that said, open in case of emergency. When the emergency came, I opened it and there was nothing in it. So why am I going to keep carrying it around? So now not only am I lighter, but now I had to start looking for the real tools that help us live. So speak, speak for a moment about you are now cancer-free and you go for, what, 10 months? And then it starts growing? Yeah, on the rib. In on my the bag. rib, on the rib. <clears throat> yeah. And so that was the deepest despair because the first journey, I don't know why I didn't think I would die. I was afraid of what I'd have to go through. I was terrified of all the pain and the procedures and what it might cause. But then when it returned or had been there all along and I didn't know, mm -hmm. I, I really was afraid I was going to die. I felt desperate. I felt uh, off course. I didn't know what to do. I tried to enlist all the things that I'd been open to and none of it worked. Did you feel like a failure somehow that you'd been given the second chance from the cancer in your brain and now it's come back? So you've got to say, what does that mean? Did Abs I do something wrong? Was Absolutely. I, you know? Absolutely. Because did you believe in <clears throat> karma at the time? Um, I was open to karma. I don't think I had very many fixed beliefs. Yes. I think the real journey, spiritual journey, is sharing the evidence in our experience and holding off on making conclusions. Because even at my age and all that I've been through, what we experience leads us to new holes. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I make a conclusion, I've kind of put, I've closed the door on the barn. So I've learned to kind of uh, share what, we, what, what happens but hold off on what it means. Ten months after Mark Nepo's brain tumor disappeared, cancer was discovered in one of his ribs. And this time, there would be no reprieve. Mark would have to face surgery to remove the rib and multiple chemo treatments. What is remarkable to me about your story is that when you were going through the second cancer, and you say, I mean, you were at a very prestigious, well-known hospital. Yes. And they had not even warned you that the pills that you were taking were going to cause <laughs> you to throw up. And you were vomiting. D describe that moment. You're this, was an I, this was my first chemo treatment. Mm. And no one prepared me th that I not only might get sick, but would get sick. And the only medicine they gave me was oral. So I couldn't keep it down. We didn't know whether, oh, so I got sick once, so maybe this will pass, and now we'll wait and see. So this went on for almost all night, where I got sick every half hour. Um, to the point where you're vomiting up blood. Yeah, and then it was clear I had to go to the emergency room. But, but, but what's important about this story is that around 5 in the morning, while I'm kind of in the corner 
with my hands on my knees. And, uh, you know, my former wife uh, said, where is God? And you're in the corner, you're throwing up, you've thrown up all night to the point you're throwing up blood and everybody around you, your, it's your wife and your friend are frustrated and feeling helpless. Yes. And she says, where is God? Yeah. And somewhere from within me, I don't know where, I whisper here, right here. And I think, you know, I have spent all the books I've written in the last 25 years, all the places I go to listen and teach, I think I've spent all these years trying to understand what, what came through me in that moment. Mm. And they what, let you know in your darkest hour, in your lowest moment, where you're literally throwing up blood on the floor and too weak to move, that you could somehow sense that God is right here. And the, and the first kind of takeaway of that for me is that I understood that to be broken is no reason to see all things as broken. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. That is so powerful. I never thought of it that way before. That is so good. That's because great. in that moment, certainly I was broken, but I needed everything that wasn't broken to help me. I need a Kleenex. <laughs> now, that is really good. I've heard a lot of things here, but that is, that's really good. That touched me deeply. I get it. And I hope it touched you guys, too. If this were church, I'd say, can I get an amen? Yeah. That's an amen -er. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, the chemo, the damn chemo, was one of the dirty angels. It, it was part of the whole miracle. I can't throw that out either. Really? Because you had to have that in order to be here. Just like I needed every, every effort from every spiritual tradition, I needed every effort. So, so, so one of the biggest lessons is that whatever situation we're in, we are challenged. If we think we're open, we need to double our efforts to be open and welcome everything because only the logic of the heart can put it all together. And so this leads me to what has been a teacher for me in the last um, year after all this time, and that is that the teacher is that all things are true. Not that all things are right, or that all things are fair, or all things are just. 
but all things are true and only an open heart can start to make sense of how because that helps us when we keep choosing between right and wrong we spend our energy sorting life rather than living it it doesn't doesn't mean that there aren't things that are cruel or evil or hurt or unjust but only from the wholeness of life can we see how the spirit in a body can navigate it and so one of the biggest humbling ways that i feel like i'm learning in my 60s is that i think we are all continually asked to learn how to ask for what we need only to practice accepting what we're given we're asked to learn how to keep asking for what we need only to practice accepting what we're given and that's a paradox but what what's so important about this for me is that asking for what we need doesn't always lead to getting what we need sometimes it does and that's great but the reward for asking for what we need is that we become intimate with our own nature we learn who we are by standing in who we are the reward for ex- practicing accepting what we're given mm-hmm. we become intimate with everything that's not us we become intimate with the nature of life and it's the rhythm between our own nature and the nature of life that allows us to find the thread we are the thread we are in the unseeable connections that hold everything together mhm wow that's beautiful that's beautiful i remember uh you having said or written that for many years you wanted to be a great poet and now your heart's desire is to be the poem yeah what does that mean Well it it means that and I think it's not just uh for a poet but it it works that way for me. I think it's for all of us is I think very understandably we start out learning who we are. We start to become familiar with our gifts. And then we want to be accomplished. That's we, if you're attuned to your life. If you you're attuned to your life. Gifts. And then we want to make a contribution and and we have such a production imprint yeah. in our culture that we we want to produce something but you know for me as we've talked you know as life had other ideas i found that it wasn't um helpful to try to create great poems i needed to find true poems to help me live mm-hmm. and then as i was able to still be here it was all about being the moment of life come alive mm-hmm. that that's the poem to stay as close to our aliveness as possible. And that is how each of us can live a more poetic life. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's I mean one of the interesting things is that in our culture, in our world, and it's always been so, if someone is good at something, we tell them if if someone if I write someone says you should be a writer. Mhm. If someone yeah. loves the land, oh you should be a gardener. Yeah. yeah. Or if someone sings, you should be a singer. Yeah. However, we we're being turned into a noun when the aliveness is in staying a verb 
Say that again. I know what you just said, just, but explain it to me. So that if you love singing, just yeah. sing. Just sing. You don't have to become a singer. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You don't have to become a gardener. Just keep your hands in the earth. Mm -hmm. And then, then you know. Because there it, isn't <clears throat> necessarily just one thing you have to do. No, and then we follow the aliveness. Yeah. And so our identity evolves over time. Yes, that's exactly true. Because I, for a long time, thought I was going to be a teacher. And I thought I was going to be a teacher in a classroom with fourth grade students or seventh grade students or whatever. And I allowed the idea and the vision of teaching to live inside me in such a way that that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I in my 40s, I'm 62, but I really wanted so badly to become a poet it felt like the aliveness was there and it I didn't know it but it was leading me into the depth and field of my spirit so in my 40s as that as my spirit grew the identity of being a poet was too small whoa and I had a crisis because I had to I was never going to stop writing but what did this mean I had to drop being a poet so that I could become the spirit that it led me to Ooh, that's good. That's really... Okay, let me sit with that for a moment. That is so deep, I gotta sit with it. <laughs> I had to drop being a poet so that I could be led to the spirit that would lead you to tr what to is staying true. Close, back to, back to staying close to whatever it is that brings us alive so, without so, worrying about the names for it. But, but the labels for yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. You're a poet, all right. <laughs> You're a poet, all right. Well, you know, I wanted to talk about your 7,000 ways to listen. And so let's do that another time. Okay. Okay. Our conversation will continue in the next episode. You can listen by downloading part two. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.